Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'll be honest, I don't know when this episode is going to come out and how it's going to come out, but listen, if you're listening now, it is now been released, and that's all that matters. We are now sitting here at the uh, 2022 Mobile Hunters Expo up here in Winchester, Ohio. I'm sitting down with one of our buddies, Greg Staggs from Staggs in the Wild YouTube channel, and uh, we're going to have a pretty interesting conversation here talking about one-sticking, which is a very interesting way of not only being more versatile as a hunter, but also be able to give yourself some options, uh, no matter where you're hunting, and, and again, kind of simplifying a lot of different things. But Greg, I appreciate you being here. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing awesome. Thanks. It's been a great show, uh, fantastic turnout here. I can see this, this show blowing up over the next few years. 
years, and uh, honored and privileged to be one of the uh, you know the, the featured speakers here and seminar uh, guests. And so uh, yeah, we've had a good time. We've talked one sticking all weekend long. So uh, good, excited to sit down and talk it, uh, to, to your audience. A- absolutely, and it's really interesting it's aspect interesting of, aspect of um, you know yesterday I was able to see we're on day two of the show last day of the show yesterday I wasn't able to see uh, your seminar on and discussion on one sticking because we had a few things going on and today you're doing it again and I had a lot of questions and it's fascinating because I've gone back and forth for this climbing method as something that at times I'm like it looks like a waste of time it's too much to deal with uh, to now after kind of talking to you a little bit more and looking at it, I'm like this seems like a very valid option, especially in these areas where a lot of guys are using climbers in the deep south, okay? Because everybody, when they see mobile hunting, they see using sticks and stands or climbing sticks and, and saddles is, oh, I only got four sticks and I can only get so high. Or even if I'm using eighters, like there's only a max height I can get to. Where a lot of guys in the southeast uh, specifically, but again, you find this across the country, especially if you're rifle hunting, maybe there's a situation where they feel like they just need to get higher for whatever that reason is. And they feel like that's a limiting factor. Like, hey, if I'm going to go to this this hunting style, I can only hunt 12 to 15 feet up in the tree and uh, and be kind of limited with that. So that's that's a huge issue. Um, but with one sticking, like you mentioned today, you can climb to 200 feet if you want to. It's the getting down part at that point. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's going to be kind of it's going to be really kind of interesting. So uh, we're going to kind of dive into it real quick. I'm also super interested in just when we're discussing one sticking and, and the versatility here. That's one thing I've come to realize, especially over this weekend is like the versatility of how this system could be used um, and, and give somebody an option where you're, you're truly not limited by height as long as you have, you know, everything needed for that situation. So, Greg, can we talk about, first off, what is one sticking if listeners have no clue what this is? Yeah, that's probably a good good idea to lay a foundation. So, we literally, as one stickers, we literally take one stick. Mine is a 12-inch stick. Uh, it's very popular in the one sticking world to use a 15-inch stick. Um, but but mine is a 12-inch stick because it's, it's very compact. It's, to me, one is all about minimizing weight and cutting bulk and so I use the shortest stick possible because literally the the tube that separates the top platform that we typically have on our one sticking stick and the aider system that's all the tube is doing is separating your top platform and the aider system so why not make it as short as possible uh, and, and I've got buddies who one stick with 10 inch sticks because they, they are the same way but we're literally taking a, a stick that is 12 to 15 inches high normally or in, in length and, and typically it will have something to stand on. Some people will have just a, a bottom step and a top step and they'll pair it off with a platform. They one stick up with their stick and then hang a platform off to the side, a small saddle platform like a you know a mini cruiser or a cruiser seeker or a trophy line EDP, something like that. But a lot of us have a, an, an integrated platform on top of our one sticking stick, so we don't require anything else extra. That is everything. It's an all-in-one solution. So you've got a 12-inch stick with a little mini integrated platform built in, and then you've got either a two- or three-step aider. And an aider is a necessary item so that you can make larger moves as you're going up a tree. And so we will hang our, our stick up about head high or so, hang our tether up above that, climb up the aider, stand on top of the stick, and then reposition or relocate the tether up again about six or seven foot high, as, as high as you can reach, and then reach down, grab the stick, pull it up, put it over your head, climb up the aider, and repeat that as, as much as you need to. Typically, when I'm hunting a tree, uh, uh, you know, 
a hunting scenario before the leaves have dropped two moves literally one from the ground and one from from the top of the stick gets me 15 foot high somewhere 12 to 15 and you know i don't want any listener to nitpick and go oh my god he can't get 15 foot it's 14 foot okay whatever it is but two moves high is enough to get you in the canopy get you with some background cover and and that's enough to hunt with until the the foliage drops and the leaves drop and then i'm going up three moves but literally uh it's just taking one stick going up climbing up tether in put the stick, place it above your head, and it's a really simple process. It looks way harder than it is. And that's, again, me, I've openly told you, like, I've openly kind of criticized it a little bit in the past. Not, like, specifically you or anything, but I've openly criticized it. I'm like, it just looks complicated. hundred percent agree. And and I think my story is well documented on, on you know, we've got that video on our, our YouTube channel, uh, One Sticking So Easy, a 13-year-old. And it, it, it was met with massive success. A lot of people saw that video, and a lot of people got into One Sticking because of that video. And, and I'm very adamant in the intro to that video. Uh, I didn't intend to make a One Sticking video out of that video. Video. I was our friend Scott came over and was showing my son how to how to do it because my son was struggling mightily with packing up four sticks at the end of his hunt. And if I was hunting, literally there were times I was hunting two or three hundred yards away, I would get down, climb down, pack up my sticks, it'd be in no rush because I knew he was going to be later than me. Take the time to pack my sticks up, strap them to my backpack or carry them or whatever I was doing. Walk two to three hundred yards to history, and he was still struggling to put together four sticks. I mean, just you know, at the time we were using some sticks that had a lot of fiddle factor built into them, but he was struggling. And and I was relating that that story to my my friend. He goes, "Let me show him how to one stick." And I literally grabbed a Sony Handycam to to record the the instruction he was giving my son, so that after he left and went home, I could we could play it for ourselves and and you know see the instruction and listen to what advice he gave him and it, it clicked for me at that point but i in the intro to that video that i released of scott just showing my son i, I talked about it. i had zero interest in one sticking zero and, and that, that's well documented i said over and over i i'm literally on record saying i think it's the stupidest thing i've ever seen in my life and and i've if you went th- i mean i've got so many texts in with my friend who showed us that i mean we talk all the time but if you could go back far enough in our text message exchange you would literally see a text where i say that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen in my life and that's a literal text that i sent to the guy who got me involved in it and, okay so I'm, I'm glad we're putting that out there because i think people if they are listening and they haven't seen this this style of hunting or, or really it's not even style of hunting it's, it's a style to be able to get up and down a tree okay Correct. which we're going to talk way more detail about. absolutely they're going to be like holy crap like that looks like uh, first off i gotta be super agile i gotta be like super fit the whole nine yards which we can kind of discuss a little bit as well but I, I want to get to like why one sticking versus using, say, a climber or using mm-hmm. a uh, you know multiple sticks or individual steps. Like, what 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 is your take on that? And again, kind of like what you were talking about in your seminar for the advantage. Yeah. So you know, so here's here's my philosophy: is all these things in in the mobile hunting industry as a whole, right? I mean, we've got tree stands, we've got ladder stands, we've got saddles, we've got different you know hybrid setups of all, all that. It's all a tool in a hunter's bag, right? I you know I. I made a big deal yesterday saying, you know, until the universe figures out how to pay me to promote what my system is, I don't care. I don't care what an individual hunts with. They're, they're all tools in the bag. So, I, you know, I, I'm not promoting a system as, you know, this is what you should do. This is what I found that works really well for me. And, and so uh, I've still got hang-ons. I've still got I've got two lone wolf alpha hand climbers, one from, because my oldest son is just now getting into saddle hunting and I've 
been working with him a little bit this summer, but last year he hunted out of a lone wolf hand climber the whole whole season. So these are all tools that we can mix and match. So I, and I've got a lot of experience. You know, I began my mobile hunting career in 1990, and I started off. I, I bought a steel hand climber, and then I went to, you know, probably a steel hang on with those old Ameri steps that we were talking about with the rounded points that take forever to to screw into a tree, and and then I went to strap on sticks, and you know, eventually, I mean, eventually landed on a lone wolf hand climber, which I did hunt out of the bulk of my career before I got into the saddle hunting hunting game. So so I've kind of done it all, and, and so I've got a lot of experience, especially and specifically with a lone wolf hand climber. That's where the bulk of my big deer I've killed have come come out of that that system. Uh, but I like it because it it you know with a saddle and a one stick specifically one sticking. I'm not carrying four sticks in. It really minimizes the clanking. You'll hear sometimes people say, "Well, I think one sticking is going to be noisy." I'm holding a 12-inch stick, and that's it. I control every facet of where that stick goes, what it brushes up against, how I move it. I'm in 100% complete control of that one stick. And if you've got three sticks with multiple aiders, or if you've got four sticks, they're invariably or inevitably, they're going to clank together at some point in the game. And so, you know, you're, you're managing, when you're going up, do you, do you put the first stick on the tree, then do you put a stick on your left side or a stick on the right side, what do you do with the fourth stick? You know, there, there's all those things... I've got one little 12-inch stick to go, and I can climb 35 foot high if I want to, and I rappel down. It is, it's an awesome system. So that's kind of how I got, got into it. And, and like I said, I'm not limited. Most of, the, most of the demos you see on YouTube from One Stickers and even me, we're climbing a straight tree because it's just easy to talk and demo our way through it. But I will tell you that in the real-world scenario, when I'm out hunting, I I almost never climb a, a tree without limbs. I'm always going up and over around limbs. I'm going around, you know, I mentioned in today's seminar that we shoot a lot of does. I specifically shoot a lot of does because my family hasn't bought red meat from a grocery store in 27 years. And we're very, we're as proud of that as I am the big bucks on the walls. So I kill four to seven does a year, every year, all the time. And I do that a lot of times by hunting field edges because those are going to make their way to the field early on. I can put one down. I can fill the freezer easy. Well, the trees that are on field edges lean out toward the, the tree. They grow toward the sunlight. So they lean up and out. And so I am a lot of times climbing trees with limbs and that are leaning and that is zero problem with a one stick and you know it, it wouldn't be any problems with four sticks and a hang on either you could do that just as well but I can do it just as easily with a one stick and then I'm also not limited to height or anything else like that and, and also you, you mentioned you just mentioned this but like when you're using multiple sticks like there's just more variable I mentioned this or told you this earlier during your seminars like there's more variables of what could make noise when you have multiple sticks versus if you had the one stick the one stick that's the only thing you gotta focus on is making sure that hey it's silenced to whatever you know level you want to get to and that's the only thing you're worrying about other than having four sticks that you have to make sure it's quiet and also make sure that your technique's absolutely superb and making sure that you're not clanging anything together versus how you're climbing with them and everything else there's just so many more factors hanging in multiple sticks first just working with the one stick and again never really thought about that until you started explaining it. i'm like that makes perfect sense and, and then also i, I want to talk about just kind of bring it back to the basics of one sticking. You know, we kind of talked about, you know, why you like to do it. Again, some of the advantages of using a system like this um, and being versatile, not just climbing straight trees, but also be able to get up in, you know, some of those crooked trees, the trees with a lot more limbs and kind of working your way through those situations. But you mentioned very early on in this podcast 
the idea, or not the idea, but the term, like I'll make one move or two moves up a tree. Right. What is a move? How do you describe that to kind of give listeners an idea? Because of course we're going to push them to your YouTube channel to go watch the videos on it, but like in a, an audio format, wh- how do you describe what a move is? No, that's a great question. So a- as we're standing on the ground, ground is ground level zero, right? So you're standing at the base of your tree. Uh, you know, a lot of times I walk in holding my one stick in one hand and my bow in another. And and there's probably about 75% of the time, that's literally the way I walk in the woods. And, and it's on my YouTube channel. I've weighed every single thing that I walk into the woods with. It's it's 8.7 pounds or something like that minus my bow. So literally I'm walking in at sub nine pounds minus my bow. And, and I walk up to a tree. I'll lay my, my bow down. I, I'm holding my stick. I'll unwrap my, my rope that goes around the tree. And I will reach up as high. Well, not as, not as high as I can, but somewhere probably about a comfortable arm's length up, probably a couple feet over my head. And I will attach the stick at that point. So the stick is about two foot. I'm, I'm 5'10", so let's just round it off and call it six foot. Uh, not that I'm trying to add anything to me, but just to make the math easy. If I can reach up and put the, the, the one stick at about seven and a half foot, eight foot, something like that, that stick is, let's say it's eight foot off the ground. That's where the aider is important because I'm actually going to set the stick so it doesn't kick out on me. And, and then I'm going to climb up that stick. When I, when I step up onto the top platform of my one sticking stick, we generally call that one move. Okay, so that move was made from the ground to get, let's say, approximately, for those who want to nitpick, let's say I'm seven foot off the ground now, okay, because there will be people that will do that. Uh, But I'm seven to eight foot off the ground, standing on the top of my stick, that's one move. I will move my tether up, and and I've actually learned, and I showed this yesterday, and I talked about it today, I actually slide my tether as I'm progressing up the stick to minimize tether slack. That is one thing that some people get a little concerned about in the one-sticking world. I've learned how to make a couple steps up, slide the the tether up. I never introduce more than a, a foot and a half of slack or something like that in my tether as I go up. But I slide the tether up when, I, when I'm standing on that stick after my first move that we just discussed. I get the tether up as high as I can reach, and then I literally just hang. So you talked about, you know, it looks like it's really hard. It looks like you're going to have to be super athletic. It's going to be a huge calorie burn. At that point there, I literally allow my legs to go on either side of the tree, just cradle the tree with, with my legs there, reach back down, pick up the stick. I'm exerting zero energy at that point. I'm literally hanging lifeless by my tether, which is attached or affixed about six foot, seven foot up above me. I reach down, grab the stick, reach up above. I actually push off with my feet just slightly to, to give myself, uh, to, to create an angle with my tether. And I wedge the stick between the tree and the tether. And then I let myself go in. And now the rope is holding my stick in place. I've got both hands free. I can throw the rope around the tree, pull it through the cam cleat, pull it tight, reach out just a little bit, set the stick, climb up again. Now I'm on my second move. And that's where I'm talking about. That will get me, let's say 14, 15, 16 foot high. I'm two moves up. 90% of the time, that's where I do my hunting until the leaves fall. And, and see, this is where, again, the video aspect really comes into play to kind of see what these moves look like. Because there's only so much you can describe. There's another thing to kind of physically watching all these videos, how this stuff works. But it, it also kind of comes back down to, again, from an outsider looking in, is like, yeah, I'm looking at it, and this is something I've said in the past. I'm like, man, I just feel like I'd sweat my freaking butt off doing it. But then I'm thinking about it. If you're just using sticks, normal sticks climb up the tree, you're still exerting energy 
But something that we haven't mentioned quite yet, or we have mentioned, but I just want to clarify for people, this is a style of climbing for saddle hunting. You know, Correct. I mean, like Correct. You're wearing a saddle. You're not just wearing a safety harness. You're wearing a saddle. So when you're hanging there, the saddle's supporting you. So it's not like you're hanging. You're, you're, hanging, you're sitting in you're at a sitting position in the saddle while you're moving the stick around. Uh, so again, it's very little energy that you're having to exert on yourself. But also, you're doing this with a tether. You're not doing this with a linesman belt. And we, you kind of brought that up a little bit today in the seminar of you could use a lines belt in addition to. You may, could. And, and many of us have, have found a little bit to be a little bit more problematic than it's worth. The ROI, the return on investment, isn't, you know, isn't there. Now, if you're super worried about, because, you know, it's not, a lines belt is more of a positioning device versus a safety device. So, you know, when you're using that to go, go up a tree, you could, I, you know, I've got to the point now where I'm not really introducing more tether slack than maybe a foot and a half or so. I'm really comfortable and I'm confident enough in my ability with my athleticism and everything else that if I fell with a foot of tether slack, yeah, I know about fall factors and all that, I th I'm going to be okay. You know, so I'm not really concerned about that. So you could use a lineman belt, but if you just stop every once in a while, periodically slide your tether up, you're fine. Um, and, and then, literally, you, you talked about you've got to climb. If you went in with four sticks, you're climbing those four sticks. That's the purpose of the sticks, yeah. right? Well, you hang your one stick on a tree, you're going to climb up the aider. It's no, you're doing the exact same mechanism, the exact same mechanics. You're climbing a tree, whether it be with an aider or, or using the, the, the double steps on a, on a stick, you're climbing. So there's no calorie difference. There's no energy burn difference in climbing sticks or climbing your one stick. The only difference is when you hang with your Tether, lifeless, literally zero calorie burn. You hang, reach down, grab your stick, and pull it up. That's the only difference. So when you know you think about the difference, that's it. And also, if you think about again, now you're versatile. Where if you need to hunt six feet off the ground, you can do that very easily. If you need to hunt, you know, say for example, forty feet off the ground, and you had a long enough rope, you can do that very easily as well. And it's all about like you're not limited to I can only get this high or on the flip side, you take four sticks in. Well, this spot, I really just need to be a stick off the ground, uh, you know, one stick off the ground. And you're like, well, damn, now what? Now, do, do I need to leave the sticks on the ground? Do I just want to use the extra sticks and just hang around the tree? Like, what do I want to do? And then I'm leaving stuff on the ground that deer may pick up on and I, close quarters. 100%. 100%. There's so many factors. Yep. Yep. I, I love because, you know, if I go six foot up, I pull my repeller rope up, stuff it in my pouch. I leave nothing behind. I'm I'm there. If I go 27 foot up, it's the same. I, I don't look any different in the tree at 27 foot or seven foot. I look the same. But you're right. I've done it before. I've taken four st sticks in, and then the realized that the cover, the foliage, the background that would break up my outline was at 11 foot. I only needed to be a stick or two up. Now I've got two extra sticks. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable leaving those at the base of my tree when something could walk by and blow out of the area. Absolutely. So it's almost now, if you think about it, it's almost um, less invasive because you're truly not leaving any evidence on the ground that you were ever there. Exactly. Like when it comes to gear in that specific situation. And also one thing you mentioned, uh, which I think, I don't know if it was the buck you killed last year in the really small tree, but I mean, you're, you, you have a versatility of what size tree you can climb and you're really not limited to it other based off of, you know, as long as you have enough, uh, you know, rope for the cam clip to work safely and that tree, if it's small enough, can support you comfortably. 
that's all it's the fact. Can you talk about the deer? I think it was you yeah, last year. It was two years ago. It was January 1, uh, New Year's Day. And uh, I, I was hunting a really super thick, really brushy bedding area. I was right on the verge, right into the bedding area. I mean, literally, once I got 12 foot up, I could look into the bedding area. It was that high. But when, when you're in ag country, like I typically hunt most of the time with, you know, soybean and corns and stuff, and, and when it gets that thick, that really, and, and we talked about on an earlier podcast that some of those bedding areas are so thick that literally you're on your hands and knees there's tunnels that deer are using versus walking through i mean it's it's thick in there and and there's not really trees of of substance there's not really big trees to really get into that you typically think of that i'm going to hang up and as a bow hunter and get into and this tree was probably six inches in diameter at the base but it was the largest tree i could get into and i made i made two moves to get into it and the problem is that that six inch tree at the base or eight inch it might have been something like that after my second move when i hung my quick link and attached my tether to forehead height my quick link actually was wider than the tree trunk that i was in so the the left side of the quick link protruded past the the edge of it and the right side of it i mean it was literally probably an inch and a half in diameter and and you know, you're sitting there thinking, well, that's not possible. The tree's going to sway with you every time you move. Yes, it did. I mean, I had to be extremely, extremely quiet and still and try not to sway, try not to move because literally every little, if I leaned to the left a few inches, I mean, I was shaking leaves and branches. And the, the deer I killed, I, I spotted him coming from probably about 75 yards away, coming through one of those really super thick trail areas. And he, he turned and made a left and I drew on him way early. I was holding at full draw probably 30 seconds. And he was still walking to me thank god he didn't stop and wait but when he rounded a corner in some that brush there and he said and he had me pegged instantly yeah there's a 200 pound lollipop you know 14 18 foot off the tree and literally it was a two inch diameter where my tether was i had i've got a picture of it uh at some point on my facebook page and uh yeah i, I was able to drill him because i was already at full draw when he stopped he was within range and and i pegged him but it it would have been hard to get a hang on in that tree. So I think one selling point that a lot of guys uh, say for using a climber specifically is when I climb that tree, there's no evidence of me at the ground. Okay. There's no sticks hanging on the tree, anything like that. And when you're using sticks, like multiple sticks, yeah, you have a stick at ground level. It's not maybe even like a, you know, a single aid or whatever it might be a fixed aid or attached to it. So there's evidence of human intrusion at the ground level. On the flip side, again, just like a climber on the aspect, like there's nothing left on the ground, this one stick, again, you're not leaving any evidence. So even if you're in one of those small trees, even if you're eight, nine feet up the tree, there's nothing on the ground level. If you're hunting close quarters, if he's looking, if that buck's looking ground level, he's not going to see anything that's going to catch his eye. Right. And again, that's something that's huge because I've seen like more and more of these stick companies, you know, come out with like, you know, more neutral colors now uh, or, or doing designs that maybe makes it look more natural in the woods because yeah. you, you kind of need that if you're on the ground level, especially close quarters where that deer is super tight to the, the stand location. You're getting a sub 15 yard shot. You know, he's going to be very aware of his surroundings in that situation. Uh, so that's another thing I looked about. Now, I want to bring up uh, a little bit more on the gear aspect of like what uh, what like what do you need for one sticking uh, before we get even more technical into it. So can you talk about, you know, what does someone need to be prepared for? Because it is like I had a conversation with you today a little bit like it's different than what you're currently doing, especially if you're not do, have, haven't had repelling uh, backgrounds or like any of that equipment or anything like that. So there's multiple different aspects of things that you need, but when you look at it, it's still very simple. It's just yes. about kind of executing it. So talk a little bit about that. Like what's included? What do you need when it comes to one sticking? And how do you go about, again, if sourcing some of these different items? Sure. So, uh, so so let's talk about the stick itself at first. And I've kind of, we've kind of covered it. So we'll go real quickly through this. You, you've got the stick, which is typically a 12 to 15 inch length. It's got probably a double step at the bottom of it with an eight 
aider system attached to it, which is usually a two or three step aider. And if you're wondering about the, the aider, you can get, you can make your initial move that we, we just discussed and went through what a move is. You can get higher on your initial move with a three step aider, all things being equal. If those aider step distance is the same, let's say your, your step to step distance is, let's just say 17 inches, a three step aider that's with three 17 inch steps, you can get higher your first move with a three 17 inch step then you can a two 17 inch step move after that what we found and i've got a video on this once after your first move it's negated you can only climb as high as you can reach on each subsequent move after that so it becomes down to a comfort level or what you're comfortable with some people will go with three smaller steps so that if you're if they're less flexible they're not they're not stretching out as much in between each move so so you've got your stick You've got an aider. You've got a mini platform on top. Some people don't. You know, they'll pair it off with a ring of steps or something like that. And then typically 99% of people who one stick have a cam cleat because when you reach down to make your move, it's easier to open up these cam cleat style with these spring action things like you've seen, like the old Muddy Pro Sticks had them for years and years, and I think they still do. You can reach down and ease the, the rope out of that cam cleat real quietly with two fingers. And so that allows you to free up and grab your stick, and it makes it super simple. Don't try to one stick, and there are people who do it, and they, they hate life afterwards, and those are the people who typically give up. If you're trying to you know do a half hitch around a, uh, you know, a post that would typically be on a platform or a normal stick you need to replace that with a cam cleat so it's got to be a stick uh, a little mini platform possibly an aider and a cam cleat that that's uh, that's that's the stick part of it then typically we use 40 foot of, of rope because you're going to rappel down at the end don't try to one stick back down in reverse you know you think oh i did abc now i can do cba uh those are, again, those are the people who hate life. <laughs> uh, you, you need to, once you get up to hunting height, uh, you, you need to rappel down. And, and what I typically do is I'll, I'll rappel down just slightly enough to grab my stick. I mean, talking three, four, five foot max, maybe three or four foot. Pack up my stick. I clip it onto the side of my saddle with a little male-female plastic plug. And, and it lets me be hands-free at that point. And then I can, well, and then first of all, then you've got to have a pull-down rope. This is an essential part of the, part of the mix. I clip my pull-down rope on to my rappel rope right behind the knot where the click link was. You have to do that or you're going to be doing what we as one stickers call the climb of shame. You'll you'll hit the ground, you'll be down there, you're looking for a way to get your rappel rope, which is attached 25 foot up in the tree, you're looking for a way to get down like, oh, I forgot to clip my pull down rope. Now you're going back up in the climb of shame. So you'll do that about once every time. Everybody does it once. It's like, you know, it's, it's like just a rite of passage. You're going to do it once when you start one sticking. Just accept it. Go, okay, there was my one time. I'm going back up. Okay. So, but the, after you do it once, you'll kind of remember that, okay, before I fit, before I rappel down, after I pack on my stick, clip it to my side, some people drop their stick. Some people will, will put it in the cradle of their elbow. Uh, I found if you clip it on using a, a TX5 quick draw hanger, it's really super quick. Um, Put your, uh, put your pull-down rope onto your rappel rope. Rappel down. You can rappel down with a variety of different methods. I use a Madrox Safeguard. Uh, you can you can rappel down with a figure eight, which costs about $12 for me in the mountaineering sites. You can use a carabiner and tie on a muncher hitch, which is basically almost free because everybody's got an extra spare carabiner laying around. But rappel down, grab your, your, uh, your pull-down rope, pull the rope out of the tree, wind it up, and walk off. And that's the beauty of it. When you think turkey calls, think of houndstooth. 
Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configurations. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl Call, you know, that I can cut on really hard where on other situations I might like the all pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation. And hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at... Uh, 30 and 50 and then I switched to the true lock and changed from 30 to 50 and the 50 yard pattern on my gun with the true lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with Mike and Sam we were all super impressed I mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and Andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes I have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u-l-o-c-k chokes.com you can also use the promo code southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order again give true lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. And so that's what I like about it. You know, people listen to like, man, that sounds like a lot of moving part or a lot of parts that entail, but it's really not. Especially when you're looking at the a- aspect of like the versatility of this, because another thing I think people are thinking about, you're like, man, 40 foot of rope, that's a crap ton of rope. That's got to take up a ton of space. So I, yeah, mean, what's, I, what's I your can actually, uh, you know, like all of our dads taught us as little kids how to wind up an extension cord, right? You know, hand to around the elbow, around, 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 around. And I can do that with 40 foot of rope in about 15 seconds. I fold it in half. I stick it in a medium accessory dump pouch off to the left side of my saddle. So I fit my pull down rope, my carabiner and Madrock safeguard and my 40 footer rope all in a medium dump pouch i'm holding my stick in my hand and that's it so yeah i did i did belabor the point of all the little the details that you need but it's literally like three or four things it's a it's a pull down rope 40 footer rope a Madrock safeguard for in my case uh, jacob emory who was just here a second ago he uh he, he repels down with a figure eight so he's got 12 dollars in his system mine mine's about 90 dollars. but um and, and then your stick that's it uh, yeah so and, and also one thing that the more and more I've like recently, I literally the last two days like looked at this. I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of liking this idea on the, the on just the versatility, being a more versatile hunter. That's one reason I think so many people go to mobile hunting is like, okay, not only do I want to be mobile, I want to be versatile. I won't have to rely on the same stand location every single time because I got a ladder stand there or a pre-hung stain, you know, steel, uh, you know, lock on that I'm not moving. It's staying there all season. You can be mobile. And one thing I really want to talk about, which you brought up earlier in your seminar, is the versatility on speed, especially coming down. We can talk a little bit about climbing up too, but if something's happening on the ridge across from you during the rut, bucks chasing a doe, 
you can get down and get over there in a very short period of time. Exactly. You know, and, and there's, there's been years in my life, I, I walked in with four sticks and a hang on, right? I, I hunted that way for several years. But even, you know, so, so you're versatile leaving your truck. But once you get set up in that tree, you feel somewhat compelled to stay in that tree, even with four, even though you're a mobile, quote unquote, mobile hunter, you went in and you can technically go around, you're still, it, it was an effort to set up four sticks and a hang on. And a lot of times, even if, if the wind shifts slightly, you're like, oh, oh, well, okay, you know, and and either you're going to pack up and go home, or you're going to sit it out. One of those two options are typically 99%. Those are your two choices. I'm either going to just hope I don't get busted, and hope is not a good strategy. You know, we, we talk about that a lot. Uh, you're, I hope I'm not going to get busted, or I'm going to go home. You know, if, if I'm in a one stick, I can literally rappel down everything that I talked about, grab my stick, rappel down, hit the woods, be packed up. I, I, it would surprise me if it took me more than two and a half minutes to be at the base of the tree, packed up, walking away from the base of the tree in two and a half minutes. So, and, and this is what we, we discussed uh, in our seminar today. If, if, you know, if I'm hunting the Shawnee National Forest in, in Southern Illinois, which is a huge expanse of national public land, and, and I've had this happen where I've been on one ridge and all the activity was on the, the opposing ridge, and I'm watching bucks chase a hot doe back and forth and back and forth, and she's just staying on that ridge over there. Okay, after about the third pass that they make running through, I'm like, you know what? I need to be on that ridge over there. And I can rappel down, hit the ground in two and a half minutes and be, you know, wait for a, time, a clear time and go over there and set up. And, and then we talked about setup. I can be set up after about two and a half, three moves, somewhere in 12 to 13 minutes. So two and a half minutes to get down, walk across the ridge, less than 15 minutes to set up, easy, and that's going slow and quietly. That's not trying to go fast at all. So not only are you a mobile hunter in the sense of, okay, I, I left the truck or I left the car and I'm going in to pick a new tree, you can go from tree to tree during the hunt. And that's where the real versatility is. And, and see, I've heard guys, and I'll, I've been guilty of this too, of the idea of like, I get the stick and stand set up specifically, because I've been doing that now almost coming on 10 years as in like this, the experience of just using those systems. And uh, of course, saddle hunt as well. But uh, the idea of like, man, yeah, it's versatile. You know, you get up in any kind of tree, but like you said, you feel compelled once you're in the tree mm -hmm. and you're four sticks high and you're 16, 18 feet up. You're like, I don't want to move. Exactly. Because it's 100% agree. Even if the stand's six and a half pounds or eight pounds or 12 pounds, you're like, man, it's a it's a hassle. It's not like it's difficult. It's just a hassle to get all that out of the tree, pack it up quietly, and then just move. It might just be 60 yards just to get back up in the tree. And it's personally bit me in the butt a few times. I'm like, I just, you know, a buck might come through and you just like, or you see a doe come through and you're like, she's acting a little funny during the rut. And you're like, maybe I should get over there, especially on one of these bow hunts uh, when, the, when it was, we don't have, you know, opportunity to hunt with a firearm in Alabama. And the next thing you know, like you just, you had that feeling. There's something about that feeling. And the next thing you know, there's that really nice buck head to the ground coming through. You're like, dang it, I should have freaking moved. Or like just had that, had that opportunity of like, hey, in just a few minutes, I could get down and get over there and then start climbing again and get set up. Um, and that's something, I, again, I just see as being an even more effective way of hunting, especially so you're just not stuck in one location. Same thing with a climber. I mean, I know, guys, if you can't climb and you're climbing up 25 feet, it's like I put all this effort to be able to get in there. Why do I want to get back down? Because it's still going to take me a little bit of time to get back down. Like I've seen guys like, I climb a tree really fast to the climber. I'm like, yeah, and you can come down kind of fast too but it's also pretty freaking sketchy like especially if you're trying to come down fast and it's not like a pine tree and it's a more slick bark tree uh, like sick i've climbed a couple of sycamores that are just i mean terrible the the versatility of again being quick especially coming down and repositioning i just really like that because again there's so many situations now looking back i'm like that's been something that's kind of bit me in the butt like yeah you're versatile 
but are you versatile enough and comfortable enough to be able to get down, move, and climb back up because you know that's the right thing to do and get to a point where, like, it's not that big of a pain, but I can get it done very quickly. Totally agree. And totally agree. And, and you know, when you start off one-sticking, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I've been one-sticking for a year or I've been one-sticking for six months or whatever, you might not be to that point yet, but the the more reps you put in, the more practice, the more, the more you get comfortable with your gear, you will be. You'll be like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Batman. I'm... I'm, I'm down and and literally I can be across the ridge in whatever time it takes me to walk it yeah. I mean it, it literally is is so non-limiting in that aspect and so the, again the other non-limiting factor like we mentioned a couple times but I just want to kind of reiterate here is the not being limited on how high or how low you want to set with that setup because again if the deer are moving say like you know in Alabama and maybe it's an option I'm hunting with a firearm and they're just moving a spot. There's no way for me to get an opportunity, but I can see deer coming through because it's thick. I can move over there, climb back up, and be more in that zone again, but have a better shot opportunity than what I had earlier instead of just hoping that it's going to come to that one spot I'll be able to get a shot opportunity at. Um, so, again, that versatility is just, I think, super fascinating. But what is some like some of the biggest issues you see like guys are complaining like the uh, – uh, Complaining might be the wor- bad word, but I like using the word complain because I complain sometimes. Uh, but <laughs> hesitant, hesitant. Uh, w- what is like some of the things that you kind of hear from the outside looking in? Because again, as like Jacob Emery says, you know, the Godfather of of, of one sticking. You know, oh, I, I don't know about that. There, there, were, there were people that were, were one sticking way before me. In fact, yeah, I mean, obviously, I had I had a buddy show me. So, uh, so yeah, but I but I've done it a lot. Yeah. So uh, you know, because you know. It, I've said it many times that, you know, I'm very blessed uh, with, with a lot of control of my time and, and, and money to some extent. And so I, I get to put over 100 cents a year in a, in a season. So so there's people that want to take a lot longer from a time duration. I, you know, I, I would probably put myself way up over the top with how many times I've one sticked. Uh, that, that would be the, the one thing that probably I can take a little bit of credit for. Uh, so, but, but, you know, it wasn't too long ago that I did, I made that transition myself. And I, you know, as, it, as I said, I, I looked at it, I'm like, that's the stupidest thing that, that I've ever seen in my life. So I thought it looked hard. So I think that's, that's, that's why a lot of people are hesitant to even attempt it because it, it may look harder, and hopefully, hopefully, some of our videos have dispelled that that notion of somewhat that it's not that hard, because uh, there's a lot of times I'll talk through the climb process in a couple of my videos and explain. Look, I'm I'm not doing anything other than hanging here. I'm reaching down, grabbing a stick, and then re- replacing it above my head. It's not that hard. It's not hard at all. Uh, you and I talked about. It. I think the only thing that might be a little bit of a limiting factor for guys that are a little heavier in the midsection is I do when I'm hanging there and, and my butt's resting up against the tree and I reach down and grab the stick, there's a little bit of twisting and a little bit of flexibility in the core there that I kind of take for granted. And, and for some guys that you know have a little larger midsection, that might prohibit them a little bit and, and give some resistance there. So I can see that and definitely would, would acknowledge that that might give, give somebody a pause. Uh, but other than that, you know, that, that was the big thing is that it looks hard to some extent. And, and people think you've got to be super athletic or flexible or anything like that. You don't. I mean, the flexibility can be accomplished by using the right equipment in the right manner. You know, I, I mentioned the fact that I use a two-step aider and my steps are 19 inches apart because I'm fairly, you know, I did a lot of martial arts. I've, I did a lot of a lot of athletics growing up. I've stretched and everything. I can take that step really easy. It's no big deal for me. If you don't 
don't have that background, if, if, if stepping higher is a struggle for you, okay, then go to a three-step aider and make it, maybe make it three 14-inch steps. And, and you're going you're gonna to end up at the end of the move, we're both going to be on the same place of a tree. I did it in two steps, you did it in three. Who cares? It's, it's not a contest. The contest is between you and the deer. Mm-hmm. What is, okay, I, I want to get your take on this. Uh, this doesn't even have to be with one second, but I guess it would play into it. What is your take? Because I've got my take. I'll give my opinion after your opinion. But uh, what is your take when people are saying, well, like, oh, that looks slow getting up the tree. Like, oh, I can get up faster with X, Y, Z, except my climber or whatever else. What is your take on people talking about worrying about speed but not worrying about smooth and efficient? To- yeah, that, that's a great question, great point to bring up. Uh, so, so. So there's two aspects of this question, right? One is I literally can get up a tree just as fast as anybody in a climber, and, and I've got a ton of experience from a lone wolf hand climber. I can get up in, in a tree with a lone wolf hand climber about as fast as anybody else can. I can also one stick up a tree within seconds of the same speed that I can climb up with. A, because you, what you've got to take into account is taking the lone wolf hand climber off your back unpacking it, attaching it to three. So those the people thinking they're, they're looking at them like, okay, they just mentally make that jump to the, the lone wolf hand climbers on the tree. I'm going to inchworm my way up. I can get up in a, in a minute and a half. They forgot about the fact that they had to walk in, take it off their back, unpack it, attach it to the tree, step up in it, attach the two straps from the, bo- the bottom platform to the top platform, lean over. Now you're, now you're going up, okay? I literally walk up, wrap my tr- my rope around the tree, put the position of the the stick up above my head, and climb up. So, and then and then there's the, the coming down factor too that you know is this up against it. So, but those so so point A of the questions, topic one of of the of the or part one of the topic that you brought up is I literally feel like I can get up just as fast. Now, the more important part of what you brought up is smoothness versus speed and, and, and being quiet. And, and that's the point where you can be as quiet. And, and look, so here's a great example. Uh, last year, I was hunting a little 30 acre spot is public land surrounded by private bean fields. And, and I, I, my son and I are hunting it. It's actually the spot that the previous year I killed my buck on January 1 that had the little bitty little bit tree that I was out of. And we had we had found a, a really, he was probably a 150 to 160 class, somewhere right through there. Mainframe mate was split G2s. He was an awesome, awesome buck. And we had seen him a couple different times. I went in there. I was really close to the bedding area. I climb a tree. I'm on the edge there. I'm overlooking the, the green bean field. He comes out early. Like, I mean, it wasn't rut. There weren't does and thing. He comes out. It's like three o'clock. I'm climbing. You know, I'm getting there because I'm like, there's no use getting there early. They're, the deer are not going to come out to the last hour of sunlight. I'm between move one and move two. He comes out 75 yards away from me. And I'm like hanging between my second, first and second move. I went ahead and finished real quietly, finished my move with him 75. You're talking a public land, five and a half year old Illinois giant. Maybe not giant, but for me, you're starting to approach 160 on a public land deer. He's a stud. He's been around the block a little bit. I finished my move from my first move to my second move, got my bow all, got completely situated. He ended up not coming. I didn't get a shot. He didn't come within bow range, He, but he never knew I was there. And so it was, but, but I was slow and steady. I wasn't trying to race the clock. I wasn't trying, you know, I can, but I don't have to, and I normally don't. So uh, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is so many people, it's like this day and age with technology, they like faster is always better. Yeah. Faster car, faster truck, faster wave society. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like faster does not always 
that doesn't in like faster bow the whole on that doesn't translate always to deer hunting with certain things and i truly believe like climbing a tree faster is not always safer right. and it's not always more efficient and, and a lot of times if you're hunting close to the bed you don't need to go fast because the faster the movement is the, the more likely they're going to catch with your going up the tree it's like that slow and steady pace and keeping it consistent keeping yourself together especially if you're hunting in an area that hey there potentially are deer close to you a hundred percent and then this so so this has been a two-day expo event here right in winchester ohio day one I, I got into a lot more depth on my my philosophy of one sticking and stuff and i think one thing that goes hand in glove with what you just said is is having a repetitious technique down so i i mentioned that first one and first day in my opening seminar is that look i don't care what gear you you go climb with climbing sticks go climb whatever you you do but or or if you're if you do want to get involved in this one sticking world that we're talking about take some things from speaker a take things some things from speaker b take things from me you know watch jacob emory uh you know look at different people put your system together but then practice that system over and over and over and over and i talked about that is that whatever you do just do it consistently and repeat it so often that it's so second nature that you can do it in your sleep. And I literally do every single thing I do. I mean, I when I hang my stick, my two-step aiders, I always step into the bottom rung with my right stick right foot right boot every single time which puts my left foot in the in the second in the top row which then puts my right foot again on the bottom of my one sticking stick then i can take the the tether and my mad rock safeguard swing it out to the outside of my right knee now i don't have to worry about clanking against my one stick because i get all kinds of pms on facebook and private messages saying hey how when you're one sticking how do you keep the, the mad rock from clanking against your stick because i developed a system and i do that system every single time and so i think that lends itself and creates an atmosphere of if you do the same thing every single time you go smooth and steady and just repeat what worked last time it's going to work this time from a quietness perspective and i think quietness everybody talks about like a silencer gear silencer gear but i feel like so many people don't discuss or understand the aspect like you need to be quiet especially if you're entering next at the woods if you're climbing mm -hmm. the tree stand like everything in your system and everything you do needs to be focused around the, the silence aspect, but being efficient too. Yes. Because you can be silent and still not be efficient. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what was my point in my last thing mm -hmm. I was just talking about. Absolutely. And it's like, uh, again, I just, I see that happen so much and it's always coming down to like a competition. I don't understand like why like climbing a tree has to be a competition because I think it's the stupidest thing to like debate over like how quick you can get up a tree because it really doesn't matter. Like I've used everything from sticks to like the silent approach steps to um, a climbing stand and everything. It's like, as long as I'm smooth with it and I'm comfortable and I can make the least amount of noise and least amount of movement possible, that's all that matters. And hey, if I know like I'm going to get in a wicked tree, it might take me 45 minutes to get in the tree. Perfect. But I'm going to make sure I get in there ahead of time. I'll get in there. It might be at noon. And I'm going to make sure I have everything dialed in. So it's so quiet and silent that I get once I get everything set up, I'm totally cool, calm, and collected. And I'm not all worked up because I'm struggling to try to get this tree as quickly as possible. Now, I feel like some people get in that, that mindset, especially if you have a job where maybe you can get off and you have like an hour and a half before you know, it gets dark and you're rushing to the woods and everything. Those days, you might just want to sit on the ground. Yeah. And, and just, you know, be a little more low-key and kind of do that aspect. Well, here's something talking about one second that's really cool in that scenario that you just presented. So I, I hunted a, pub, a piece of public land up in northern Illinois last year. I was in my sales territory. I'd called on a couple of hospitals, had my, my gear in the trunk of the car, went and just walked in blind, found a spot, right? So I find this hackberry tree with thorns and stuff on it. And I knew it was literally, I had to weave my way around those, you know, those clusters of thorns that look like they, you know, they probably made Jesus' crown out of. I mean, they're, they're sticking everywhere. And I'm working my way around those thorns. It's just, it's a, 
it's a tree that's just, you, no one really wanted to climb, but that's where I wanted to be. I, I identified some spots, a trail and some cover and some things that I wanted, edge and transition areas I've talked about before. It's where I wanted to be. So it did take me 30 or 40 minutes to get up and work my way around. And I had to, the, the trunk of the tree literally flattened out and I literally walked on the trunk of the tree for a couple of feet and then found another branch that went up and I literally went up that branch. So it was a convoluted process to get into. But here's, here's the point of the story. I knew I was going to rappel down. So if I would have had to have worked my way back down, I don't know mentally if I'd been prepared to go up that tree. But because I knew, and, and literally I was, I was probably hanging in a branch that was upright, probably seven or eight foot over from the initial trunk of the tree, but I repelled straight down in midair. And I, I jokingly referred to Batman a while ago, literally with, with one sticking, repelling down, and, and you can repel it. You don't have to one stick to repel. I, I encourage you to repel whether you use three sticks, four sticks. Learn how to repel. It's so freaking awesome. But I knew I was going to repel down, straight down into thin air until my feet were on terra firma. I didn't have to worry about anything coming down. And that changed my mindset. Of, I'm willing to go up that tree because it's going to be easier to get down. Mm, that That is the mindset. It's that mentality. We talked a little bit about mentality before we actually start recording and, and like having like a strong, stronger mind in order to be able to hunt harder and make sure your body can match that mindset and, and be able to stay cool, calm, and collected through a lot of situations. And that's a good point where like if, if you're if you're repelling down, which again, this looks like a blast. I haven't done it. I'm, I mean, I've, I've, I've rock climbed before, but like, again, this seems like a great time, but just the speed of it coming down, like our, our buddy, Michael Pike, I don't know if he's doing it this year. I know the last couple of years he's been repelling. He uses a uh, a small lock-on stand, uh, hang-on stand, and sticks. And he's been repelling with that for the same reason. And he's got a system where he can get out of the tree fairly quietly, get everything patched up. But just it's that smooth transition coming down. Um, but the idea of, like, you only have to have the mentality – of just like, I just got to climb up there. Yeah. Getting down is not the hard part. It's right. just getting up there. Instead of like, if you're using standing sticks or not even a climb, but just to say standing sticks and you're like, or standing or sticks and saddle, right. you're like, crap, I got to come back down it's this freaking that, stuff. Through that same convoluted path that I went up, I'm like, I don't know if I, I honestly probably would not have done it. So let me, I want to run a situation by you because I, I kind of asked you this early and you had a really good way to kind of describe this, talking about trees with leans and stuff when using aiders. I had a tree I hunted in Tennessee back in 2019, actually when I was hunting with Jacob Emery. And, um, long story short, first I had pine. It, well, it was the only tree to get in that was like in the spot to hunt. And it, it had uh, poison ivy on it. I just sucked it up. I'm just going to get poison ivy. But it was a, a, a larger tree, probably 20 inches in diameter. And it had that slight lean, that taper. And it was on the edge of a field edge. And it was kind of tapered out towards the field edge. And I was using some st some steps at the time. And it was literally the one of the hardest trees I've ever climbed because you could only get to the tree from the side angle and the side of the lean and then trying to transition around to the top side of the lean to be able to climb up. And it was just, it was brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, but you find a lot of that stuff. And again, you mentioned like around agriculture, around like open areas, around cutovers, clear cuts, where some of those big trees are kind of leaning over into those areas. And that's one thing I've always kind of wondered about is like how you're able to like navigate some of those. Cause to me, the leaning trees and the really twisted trees are the hardest ones. Like yeah. the branches, maybe not so much, but those yeah, branches those are a piece of cake. I, I get that question all the time. How do you go around a branch? And, and I'll, it's one sentence. How did you go around it when you were climbing with four sticks? It's literally the same. I one stick around branches the same way I went around them when I was hanging sticks. I mean, you can use your lima belt going up. I mean, it's, it's so simple. Um, 
for me, I found, and again, people are going to find what, what works for them individually. For me, I found that gravity always wins. It's just an undeniable fact of, you know, you're not changing physics, gravity's going to win. And, and knowing that, I always climb a leaner, uh, is what I call them, a leaning tree. I always climb on the top side because I can use the tree. I can push off with my hands and feet. I'm climbing the stick. It's all on the top side. I can stay balanced on the top side. If you're climbing the underside or b the bottom of a leaner, your gravity's going to want to pull you down. And so you're going to literally either have to figure out if, you know, with your non-dominant hand, are you going to hug the tree to keep yourself up, you know, climbing the... I, I've seen people advise other newbies, if you want to use that term, I've seen them advise people on forums and on Facebook, like, yeah, climb the, the bottom side of the leaner. I'm like, that's got I me mean, for me, and I, I try not to interject for some, maybe he's figured out a way that I haven't. But for me, that's like the craziest advice I can imagine. I, there's no way I can climb a leaner underneath it because as soon as I let go of anything, gravity's going to swing me out. And I'm going to be a pendulum swinging there, and then I am going to have to just rappel down and start over. So I always climb a leaner on the top side uh, of those trees. And it's like also some situations I've ran into, especially using sticks or individual steps, is you get that tree that you don't really know. You like you're looking around it, and like it might have a lean to it, it might not. It's like very yeah. subtle, but the second you get six feet off the ground, now you yeah. feel it, yep. and you're like, okay, I'm on the side of the tree, I'm on the yep. side of the lean, where like you know the the bottom side of the leans to my right, the top side leans to my left, and I'm like, oh crap. And it's like, it with sticks, it's like, okay, now I got to freaking, the next stick, I got to like yeah. rotate to the left a little bit to get on the top and then side. And you got to twist it almost like, a, you know, those little spiral staircases. Yeah. And it's, it is terrible. And I've had to do that on trees yep. before. And some of those trees, like the trees, like you don't have to get up very high, but it's so annoying. We're like, the one thing I look at the, the one stick is like, okay, in those situations, you had to stay on the top side, just rotate around yeah. and then just keep working your way exactly. up. Exactly. 100%. Then, and then you're not freaked out because, hey, when I come down, I just got to repel straight down because coming down, those trees are the ones that, I mean, for yeah. me personally, to suck. I'm like, yeah. that's just terrible. Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> when you get up on a leaner, and I've, I've hunted some pretty severe leaners. I mean, the, I wouldn't say 30%, but probably a 20% tree is not an uncommon for me to hunt if it's leaning, you know, 20% in a direction and I'm on top of it. And then I use the, uh, the Eastern Woods Outdoors Ultimate One Stick as my stick of choice, and I choose an angled platform. And, and the reason I choose an angle is twofold. One is I'm primarily a leaner as a saddle hunter. So, you know, a lot of sitters choose flat platforms. They can place their feet flat on the platform. I'm a leaner, I want that 30, 25 to 30 degree angle because when I'm leaning out, I want my feet flat on the platform. It's very much like a barber chair. If you've ever had a haircut and, and you, you that foot footstool, they angle it so that your feet, you know, you're, you're, it's so comfortable. It's one of the things that makes a barber chair so comfortable is you can put your foot in an angle and 100% of your foot is on that platform. Well, it's the same philosophy or same mindset with an angled platform as a, as a leaner saddle hunter. Uh, that angled platform is really nice. Now, here's the second benefit of it. If I'm hunting a leaning tree and, and I'm on the top side, half of my platform is straight, half of it angles out. But if I'm on a 20% leaner, now that angle becomes my top flat platform and I can stand on it very comfortably even on a leaning tree because that angle is now flat mm -hmm. if that makes sense absolutely one one last thing and then we can get to the point of, of wrapping up but I, I want to talk about the aspect of I brought this up to you you know I like bigger platforms especially when saddle hunting it's just it's something I, I feel very comfortable with you know there's been situations like I could literally loosen the tether up free stand turn real quickly and get a shot off uh and shot deer like that again back to the tree just standing there and shooting like you would have a tree stand it's awesome but with those you know some of the different platforms or some of the different one sticks you know the platforms aren't huge and they don't necessarily they don't need to be because of the style of hunting but i brought up to you like you know 
have you ever been in a situation? What's your thought on like packing in, you know, say like a, a mission or a Ridge Runner or a Seeker, like one of these bigger platforms on your backpack and then getting it set up? So can we touch on that? And then also maybe the ring of steps and how you may integrate that as well. Absolutely. So I had every intention at the beginning of last year, what it would have been the 2021 season, something like that. I had every intention of putting a platform in a backpack, strapping my one stick to it, to, to the backpack and then going in one sticking up the tree of fixing my or hanging my backpack off to the side pulling out the platform and then attaching the platform to the side of my one stick which would have given me the best of both worlds right i mean i would have had my little one stick platform there a trophy line mission or a seeker or something like that off to the side of it and then i could have stepped over on the platform i could step back i could have done anything i wanted to i had every intention that was my game plan going into the year and and i i hunted a few hunts and then i was like i don't, I don't even know if that's necessary i uh, it, it's certainly doable so if, if you've got that mindset if that's what i want to do there's nothing prohibiting you from doing that that's you can do what i described that was my game plan you can do that uh but the more and more i hunted throughout the season i ended up you know putting my usual 100 sits a year in and i did i never did it never did it now what i did do though is my my typical tree that i hunt out of is probably volleyball size that's my favorite tree to climb i love volleyball to basketball somewhere in that neighborhood that's my i don't really enjoy climbing huge trees if i have to struggle to get a a rope around the tree it's one of the reasons the the length rope i've never cared about people have tried to sell me on the idea of rope extensions for for my one stick and i'm like if i have to have a one an extension of my current rope i don't need to be in that tree it's just not a comfortable climb for me i'm it's it it's bordering on getting away from safety and now i'm i'm putting myself in a dangerous situation i don't want to be there so i don't climb huge trees but but you can still get above a basketball size tree or maybe you know you're starting to get to a beach ball size tree it's still safe enough to climb but maybe you feel like you need some extra help to get around that tree to get around to your top side shot or maybe maybe you don't want to do the complete 360 to, to shoot that weak side offside shot so so maybe it's better to walk around to the front to the 12 o'clock side of the tree that's where i found that three squirrel steps or if, if you're a Bullman Outdoors fan anyway three steps on an OCB buckle if you pair that with your with your uh, one sticking stick that's an ideal setup where you've got your your one sticking platform like for me I use a UP and ultimate platform from Eastern Woods Outdoors pair that with three sticks three steps one at your nine one at your twelve one at your three you can walk around that tree all day long no problem mm-hmm. and you're really only needing that in that case that like hey I've got to get to the other side to be able to make an offside yeah, shot I'm not going out there and hanging out yeah Absolutely. I'm hanging out on the platform at the top of my one sticking stick. That's where I'm hanging out. But if I need to real quietly and slowly, again, efficiently, quietly is the operative words here. If I need to ease my way around the tree and draw and shoot, that, that gives you the, the ability to push off and do that. Absolutely. Well, Greg, I absolutely appreciate you spending some time with me today and going over these topics. It's really interesting. Again, I'm kind of excited to, uh, you know, move some stuff around in my inventory to try to get one of those uh, those UP sticks just because it's, it's going to be interesting to mess around with something like that uh, and, and just kind of seeing what can be done through that system uh, to, to begin, become more versatile, but also you know, lighten up a little bit, yeah. a little bit of weight. Not just on myself, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to lose some more yeah, weight. But we're all doing that. Absolutely. But also trying to figure out a more, you know, functional setup. So I'm super excited about that. But Greg, for anybody 
uh, who hasn't listened, we had you on again uh, God, uh, two years ago, three years it's, ago? It's been a 2019, so three years ago, had you on. Oh, my gosh, it's three years this fall. Three years ago, we had you on the podcast, episode 129, DIYing for Public Land Giants uh, with Greg Staggs. Absolutely excellent episode. So we, get, we still get feedback from it today. There's a lot awesome. of people that go back and listen to the older episodes, which is great. But, Greg, if people want to watch you know, some of your videos, follow along with you and your son in these hunting trips, how can guys find your YouTube channel and check that out? Of course, it's going to be in the show notes below, but sure. how can people find that? Yeah, so we've got a YouTube channel called stags in the wild you can you can literally type in my name in the search box greg stags will pull it up or stags in the wild will pull it up we also just about a couple weeks ago we launched our own website called stags and the cool thing about that is that there's links to the youtube channel from the website there's also links to you know i've written uh, for magazines for peterson's bow hunting and field and stream and outdoor life and i've written a lot of i was a, a columnist for for outdoor magazine for a long time you can find a lot of my favorite articles featured on stagsinthewild.com so if you're wondering well what what was what this guy ever write about you can go back and read a lot of those things so so those are the two best things go to youtube or if you just go stagsinthewild.com it's all findable through there Excellent. Perfect. Well, great. Thanks again for coming on the podcast, guys. If you didn't come to the uh, the 2022 Mobile Hunters Expo, you missed out. But hey, stay tuned because I'm excited for potentially where they're going to be doing it next. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. exciting. So thanks again, Greg. Thanks again for the listeners. And we'll catch you all back here on the next episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.